Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. If we are going to be saved, meet Him, we must. If we are going to be saved, there's no other name given unto men whereby they must be saved than the name of Jesus of Nazareth. There's no other person that could gain entrance for you to the kingdom of God except Jesus of Nazareth. No church can do it. No institution can do it. No religion can do it. It takes a relationship with the living God, meeting Christ personally. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet In the book of Acts, we meet Paul who was radically changed by God. There is no question that he had a real conversion from a sinful life to a forgiven life with Christ. Have we experienced a real conviction and conversion that leads us to Jesus? In today's message, Pastor Ed will teach us what it means to have a life-changing experience that brings us into a relationship with Christ. If we are going to be saved, we must meet Christ and be changed. Our lives will reflect what we believe. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Paul's Conversion. Building in faith. He had seen Stephen's death. He had heard Stephen's sermon. Echoing in his mind was Stephen's prayer. Lay not this sin to their charge. How could a man pray like that? How could a man live like that? How could a man die like that without knowing God? Now I wonder if the story would have been different if Stephen would have prayed, God, Judge this stiff-necked generation and wipe them off the face of the earth. God, send these rebellious people to the pit. But Stephen's prayer was filled with grace and mercy to the very people who persecuted him, to the very people who beat him. See, that's the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of the church. That's the spirit of Christianity. We turn the other cheek. We pray for our enemies. We love those who speak evil of us. And I believe it was working in his mind and heart. Augustine, who was that great theologian whom God pursued for decades, said, with your calling and your crying, you broke through my deafness. Your shining and your splendor drove out my blindness. Augustine, at that moment, met God in his whole life turned around and changed. That was his turning point. See, Paul recognized that he had met Jesus on that Damascus road. In 1 Corinthians 15, it reads, Last of all, I saw him too, long after the others. 
as though I was born at the wrong time. See, Saul looked back on that Damascus Road experience and he looked back at the disciples who met Jesus and spent time with Jesus and he said, I wish I would have met him earlier. My life would have been changed. It would have been different. Isn't it true? When we come to know Jesus, we look back and reinterpret the past in a different way. We say, only if I had known sooner, only if I committed my life sooner to Christ. Now, we don't all meet Jesus in the same way. Saul had this incredible experience on the Damascus Road, this divine intervention. But listen to me. We all meet Christ in different ways. But meet him we must if we are going to be saved. Meet him we must if we are going to be saved. There's no other name given unto men whereby they must be saved than the name of Jesus of Nazareth. There's no other person that could gain entrance for you to the kingdom of God except Jesus of Nazareth. No church can do it. No institution can do it. No religion can do it. It takes a relationship with the living God, meeting Christ personally. Amen. There in a monastery as a monk, secluded from all the worldly influences, trying to alleviate the guilt of his conscience with good deeds and confessions and studies and fastings, Luther realized that he met God, not there, but he met God in the scriptures as he came to realize what salvation was all about. It's my prayer that we will truly meet God. See, church isn't church until we meet God in the house of the Lord. Church isn't church until you come and you sense his presence. Let everything that keeps you back from meeting him be cast aside hallelujah and Luther said my conscience has been taken captive by the word of God and to go against conscience of scripture is neither right nor safe see Luther had convictions but it was based on the word of God and he said to the council which he spoke these words too. He said, if you could convince me otherwise from Scripture, I'll change my mind. But see, there must be an openness in our heart. There must be a teachableness in our spirit. There must be the ability to say, God, I want to listen to your voice, what you say in your word. I want to heed. I want to heed. I want to obey. Now, real conversion, real conviction always leads us to Christ, not away from Christ. And it leads us to the place of conversion. There's wrong conviction, there's right conviction. Right conviction based on the word of God, based on a revelation of Jesus Christ, based on the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart, leads us to the place of conversion. The English word conversion comes from the Latin word that means turn around. I like what C.S. Lewis said. Every story of conversion is a story of blessed defeat. Has God defeated you yet? Has he broken you yet? 
Have you come to the place where you've yielded to him yet? Our surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. In verse 5, he says, who are you, Lord? In that context, the Greek word kurios means Lord. He recognized that this was God. And it's so clearly spoken in his the second account of his testimony of salvation. In 22.10, it reads, Acts, what shall I do, Lord? Do we acknowledge the Lordship of Christ? That's what conversion is. It's turning over the reins of your life and giving it to Him. It's saying, I'm no longer the sovereign of my life, the master of my days, the director of my life. I give everything I am and everything I have to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the sovereign of my life. See, here's what happened. Saul came, and he was going to make havoc of the church. He was coming to Damascus like a raging bull, but he met Jesus Christ, and he was led into that city as a blind man like a lamb. He came to arrest believers, but God arrested him on that Damascus road. God apprehended him, he said. See, God is looking for men and women to bring into his kingdom. He's looking for the lost. He's searching for those that don't know him. He searched for you. He found you. And he's not going to easily let you go. Hallelujah. It seems like Saul's whole life was answering that one question. What will you have me to do? What will you have me to do? Not what I want to do. In Acts 24, 14, he says, however, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way. Six times in the book of Acts, the phrase, the way, is used. And it refers each time to followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because following Jesus Christ is a way of life. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Following Jesus Christ is not just suddenly giving him some cognitive recognition. The saying, okay, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. No, it's a lifestyle that we live. It's a path that we walk. It's a life that we give ourselves to. His whole life. Conversion is a deep work, a heart work. It goes throughout the man, throughout the mind, throughout the members, throughout the entire life. Notice where God instructs Saul to go. You go into the city and you wait because I'm going to send somebody from the church. Isn't it interesting how God organized this and orchestrated it? There are some people that see no use for the church. They think they can be a Christian on their own. God takes his converts and puts them in the church. God takes those who meet with him and accept him and say, Lord, what shall I do? And he says, be a part of a fellowship. Be a part of a Christian community. 
One of the signs that you know Jesus Christ is you embrace a Christian fellowship. In Acts 9, 19, and 26, And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And then it says in verse 26, He came to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples there. Now, picture with me this scene. Here comes Ananias. Ananias had just met with God. And I could picture Ananias having this revelation because the Bible says that God spoke to Ananias. He said, Ananias, I want you to go. Ananias was an obedient disciple. He says, okay, I'll go. God says, okay, I want you to go to this house on Straight Street. There's a man praying. Well, that, that's good. I'll go. And uh, his name is Saul. Hmm. Uh, where does he come from? Saul of Tarsus. Lord, wait. Are you making a mistake? That would be like the Lord saying, Pete, I want you to go down the street. Ben Laden is praying. <laughs> God speaks to Ananias, and he goes. It's amazing the people that God will save. I'm sure the people in Jerusalem didn't think Saul would be one of the new converts. If they had a list of the least likely people to be saved, Saul would have been on that list. But God is constantly surprising He's constantly doing things that we would consider impossible. Now, Ananias goes to the house, and the very first thing he does is he places hands on Saul. Now, he didn't place it around his neck. He placed his hands there. The very first words that he heard was, Brother. Saul. If it were some of us, we would have battered him with the past. We would have criticized him for all that he did. We would have said, why did it take you so long, Saul? But Ananias went and said, Brother Saul, isn't this something how the church wants to exclude people from its membership? Uh, somebody's been divorced. Or somebody's committed this type of sin. Oh, no, no. Hmm. That's not the spirit of Jesus. We need some more Ananiases. We don't know much about Ananias. He came on the scene, and then he disappears. But who's the person that led Billy Graham to the Lord? You remember who led D.L. Moody? Who led George Eliot to Christ? God has a way of using whomsoever he chooses. And God uses the body of Christ, people that we might not consider, that we might just say, boy, they're not that significant. Then he uses a man by the name of Barnabas. 
You know what the world does? The world, in order to get ahead, they step on people. Ladder of success. Step on one person after another. Push them down. I've been here longer than you. I have more prominence than you. Look what I've done and what you've done. Pushed in the church. It's different. In the church. Here Barnabas is. And he lifts Saul up. The believers in Jerusalem can't believe that a man like Saul is saved. They had serious questions. Is he trying to infiltrate our group? Is he trying now to find out where we are at and where we're hiding and and what we're doing? Is he trying to make havoc of believers here now? Barnabas says, let me tell you his testimony. Isn't it funny how the world leaders blow their own horn, promote themselves, and their underlings serve as their PR representatives. Here is Barnabas, a trusted, uh, well-thought-of man in the early church who gave considerable to the church. He's lifting someone else up. He's promoting someone else. Oh, let their tribe increase. May our church be filled with Ananiases and Barnabases, those who will lift up others. See, we need this body of Christ. Don't ever forget the people that have helped you along the way, that helped you get where you are. Remember them. Third and last point, and we'll do it quickly. Conviction. There's a commission. There's this conviction, conversion, and then commission. God gave him something to do. Now, you know the way we would do it? Come and join the church. Be a part of our staff. Here's all of the benefits. And if you're a Christian... Boy, come and accept Christ. Everything is going to go easy for you. You know, you'll have peace that passes all understanding, and, and, you, and we, we present that aspect. What was the first words to the calling that was going to be on Saul's life? I'm going to show him what? How many things he must suffer for my name. We'd empty our churches out if we did, I think. Especially in our culture. Here Paul is. And God right away at the beginning says, show him what he is going to suffer. There are some people that drop out of the race, that sit on the sidelines, that sort of go back in the grandstands, that avoid the conflict because they somehow think they're serving Jesus Christ, their commission in the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be easy. Was it easy for Jesus? Was it easy for Peter? Was it easy for John? Was it easy for James? Was it easy for Paul? Why do you expect it to be easy for you. See, God calls us to be willing to suffer 
for his name's sake. He is committed to fulfill that task. Someone said, make your life a mission, not an intermission. When we see Saul, what is he doing? He's fasting and he's praying. When we see Saul, he spends three years in Arabia. He doesn't go right away into the pulpit and say, listen, I'm going to show you my grand testimony. At the beginning he did, he shared his testimony. He preached the word. He began witnessing to his friends. But he went for three solid years into the desert to re formulate his theology, to get alone with God. You can't have a ministry. You can't have an impact on the world until you take that conversion and you nurture it and you allow it to grow and you practice the spiritual disciplines that will transform your life. We talk about fasting and praying and studying and solitude and fellowship. All of these things became a part of his life. And he proclaimed that gospel. He was committed to do that. Uh, Peter Marshall said, Give us clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. Because unless we stand for something, we shall fall for anything. And here Saul is, knowing that he's committed to that commission, but he also needs the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can't do the work unless you're filled with the Spirit. Hear me now. If you're filled with criticism, you can't be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with lust, you can't be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with materialism, you can't be filled with the Spirit. If you're filled with the world, you can't be filled with the love of the Father. When we expect to see life-changing transformation in the life of others, we have to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. See, Saul's life was given to one thing, to fulfill the cause that God gave him. He was obedient to that heavenly vision, to that heavenly mission. And if we're going to complete that call on our lives, we have to be obedient to that vision. See, God turned us around when he converted us, but some of us want to turn ourselves back around and start going in the old direction. But if we put our hands to the plow, Jesus told us not to put it back and turn around and go in the other direction. We need to go in the direction that God has for our lives. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything keep you. Don't let anything discourage you. And don't be afraid your life will end. Be afraid it will never begin. This young man was a slave trader. Took people and deported them from their native land of Africa. Enslaved them. And sold them to the other parts of the world. He had fallen into deep debauchery and sin. Then one night in a frightening storm, he began to think about his own personal life. He was reading a devotional book by Thomas Kempis, a classic imitation of Christ. And the seeds of conversion were planted in his heart and he turned his life around. John Newton embraced life's turning point. And he never went back. 
he became a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's teaching series entitled Walking in Our Salvation. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word brings so